Hey there, Purpose Warriors. Welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. This is Dr. Brunel from drbrunel.com, where we believe that every season in your life serves a greater purpose. If you're new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community of purpose warriors who believe that God's best version of ourselves is hidden on the inside of us, just waiting to be awakened as we grow in our relationship and continue to say yes to what God has called us to do in the earth. We know that God's purpose for our lives was preordained and the reason why he created us. So every other week, this podcast seeks to explore how to awaken to your purpose from a practical standpoint and become God's best version of you. And we do this by touching upon our five pillars of purpose, faith, relationship, identity, resiliency, and stewardship. If you want to know more about our five pillars of purpose, head over to my website at www.drvernell.com backslash podcast. So before we dive in, I need to share with you that this podcast is being brought to you by my new book, From Pain to Purpose, where I share actionable steps, biblical principles, and life lessons on how I discovered my purpose after a painful and unexpected divorce and was left to raise two children with more than a million dollars of debt, zero access, and a negative network. My book is available on my website, again, at www.drbrunel.com, also on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever books are sold. So if you want to learn more about how to release limiting beliefs, overcome financial difficulties, experience radical breakthroughs, and step courageously into your purpose, then grab your copy today. And remember that God can use whatever unfair or unjust act, any rejection or hurtful experience, and transform your pain into your purpose. So let's jump right in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are tuning in to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. I have an amazing guest today. I have Robert C. Rougely today. He comes from a line of military veterans, healthcare professionals, educators, and culinary arts specialists. He is a brother, an architect, and a proud father of a 17-year-old young lady. He considers himself a girl's dad. Robert's purpose is to help rebuild and restore the image of God and identity of men through building personal relationships and friendships while becoming fully committed disciples of Christ. Welcome, 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 Robert. <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Again, I'm just so excited that you're here today. I can't wait for our listeners to hear your incredible story. I'm going to allow you to just jump right in and share whatever you feel led to share today. Okay, great. So we're going to jump in and I'm going to paint a picture for you. I'm going to kind of tell this in a story form. We're going to go in 2007. Okay. I find myself in my downstairs bathroom and I'm at probably one of the lowest points in my life. I'm literally bawling my eyes out, crying, tears, and these tears are the baby kind of crying where there's snot, there's all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can't control it. You're just letting it out because you can't stop crying. That's where I'm at this point. You're probably wondering, well, why? Well, at this point, my relationship with my ex-wife, it was just done. And we had just had a pretty big argument and that 
basically said, hey, yeah, we're going to get this is done and final. And so I'm down there in the downstairs bathroom because I'm thinking this is the only place nobody else can hear me cry. And that's what I'm doing. So I need to give you a window into what this looks like. How did this become? Mm -hmm. So one thing about my journal at this time, I was actually journaling some of my feelings. And I thought, what better way to share what I was going through than to actually read what I wrote during that time? Well, hello. Um, Okay. I'm so far removed from the pain that I felt then mm-hmm. that to describe it for you, I would probably give it a broad stroke and lay some sugar over top of it. So I want to read from my journal. This is in 2006. This actually preceded the moment I just described you. So I'm kind of bringing you up to where I was. So in this moment, this is an experience of pain that I was feeling. This is a journal entry from February of 2006. And It says, I've been able to handle the pressures of life with joy and pain uh, and peace. I can say that now I'm overwhelmed. Right now, I can truly say that I am at my lowest point. I have no strength in me. I have no spiritual strength, no emotional strength, no physical strength. The pain that I feel has no end. There are times throughout the day that I may seem okay. Usually when I'm at work or if I'm doing a task, and my mind may be preoccupied. So my thoughts are basically carried away and restrained from that situation. But right now, I say again, the pain that I feel has no end. It's there day and night. It's there throughout the day. The pain is very real to me. Hurt, anger, feeling of defeat, broken trust, all that is very real to me. Oh, that was so good. I think sometimes people, especially, I'm thinking, of men, and I might be generalizing, I am generalizing because I don't know this for a fact, but I just wonder if a lot of men actually journal the way that you did to really get those feelings out because men oftentimes may not really express their feelings and their thoughts to perhaps other men, other women, and things of that nature. So that was just really good for you to kind of just write all those things down and to still have it to this day in 2021 to really kind of describe the pain that you were in what really led up to you guys getting to that point of you feeling the way that you felt? I can describe it this way. There's no one thing that led up to it. It's just a story of events, of broken trust, of miscommunication, lack of communication. For me, on this side of it, one of the things that I can identify that really led up to this was just not being me as the man not being a spiritual leader, not having the ability to stand up and just be that guy that says, this is what we're going to do, not give in and really lead in that way. But with every leader, there has to be someone who's following as well. With every time you have some authority figure, there's that person who needs to fall under the authority. I mean, that's the story of our relationship with God. I mean, he is the authority. Yes. And we have to follow And so relationships that mirror that, and I believe marriage is one of the things that mirrors our individual relationship with God, we have to fall in line. And so I wasn't a leader through adversity, through maybe some times where I just gave over my authority. I wanted to not be in an argument as long. Mm -hmm. I took the opportunity to hide my feelings, not share how I was feeling. I never said these words to her out loud. I never expressed those hurts. So she didn't get a window into what I was dealing with either. 
And so those are things that I can call out that would lead up to this as far as on my end. I didn't have what I would consider a backbone that, hey, I wasn't that guy that you have an argument, I'm going to win the argument. I was never that guy. I was never that guy to be controlling, to be this, that, and the other. I wasn't that guy. And I don't think I had to be that guy in order to be in a successful relationship. I didn't think I had to be mean or angry or nasty with words. I thought possibly love without way, possibly patience without way, possibly being patient and taking the high road and not always just having to be right. Even if I was right, I would say, maybe I can figure out another way to do this or handle this situation. That's where I think some of my responsibility in this walk to the demise of our relationship happened on my end. There's a lot of responsibility that I now see on my end that I didn't see in the moment. That's what I would say, kind of leading up to it in that standpoint. So what life lessons do you feel like you've learned really about yourself from going through such a painful experience like you went through? The life lessons are many, and I think I'm still learning some as God reveals how he is bringing me or brought me out through that and then placing me in the areas that I'm in now. So one of the life lessons would be I can't be doing life in isolation. Mm -hmm. I can't live in a way that I'm not sharing with other men, with people that I come in contact with, those people who are in my, I would say, inner circle, what I'm really going through. Because at this time, I literally felt like I had nobody to turn to. Even though I had friends that may have been married or maybe in their own situations, I didn't feel as if I could share and someone would be able to really understand what I was going through. So I was believing a lie that no one was there for me. Mm-hmm. And remember what I just said, I was believing a lie. It wasn't that people weren't there. I was believing a lie. Nobody was there for me and isolating myself from that. And it just started going down this hole for me personally. I can't live that way. I have to be able to be in a small group with men and talk about the things that I'm going through. If I'm frustrated, hey, dude, you know what? <laughs> Guess what just happened? I just need to vent. I need to get this out. And then the guy's going to say, yeah, well, I hear what you're saying. He'll be able to say, you need to think about this because you weren't right mm-hmm. in this thing. Accountability. Mm-hmm. And then someone to bounce some things off. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about this? Nah, dude, that ain't right. Don't do it that way. You might want to do it this way. I need some of that because I'm not going to get life right by myself. There's wisdom in the counsel of godly folks. There's wisdom in there. So that's one of the things I learned. I can't do life by myself. How did you get from that point of believing the lie that no one would understand what you were going through? How did you get from there to where you are now? And how long did that take? Because I think sometimes what happens is we talk about these experiences and it almost seems like it happened overnight. Whereas we both know, having experienced divorce, that to process all of those emotions, all of those feelings, all of the pain and the heartache, is a process. Forgiveness is a process. And so when you talk about being able to have accountability with other men and sharing things out, how long did it take you to get from where you were to where you are? It's a great question. So I've actually been reading back over my journal. Mm -hmm. And this was back in 2006. This was before I got divorced. I divorced in 2008. 2007 is when I described I was in the downstairs bathroom bawling my eyes out. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a period of 
almost 10 to 12 years. Mm, See, keep it real. Of where I was believing these lies. And that was one of the first lies. Okay. That was one of the first, one of the many, I should say, that I was believing. And so what happens in this is I was losing parts of my identity. Mm -hmm. I was giving my identity over because I was believing things that weren't true about myself. So for a period of 10 to 12 years, the recovery, the restoration to who I am now did not happen just overnight, just like you're describing. It got even worse. It wasn't that, okay, hey, I got this divorce and now, hey, okay, now I'm back in the church. I'm doing this and I'm praising God. No, 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 no. Rabbit hole. And then there's layers to this rabbit hole where I found myself in a pit of darkness. Mm. So let me describe some of these rabbit hole activities or how this was demonstrated, how this was living out loud in my life. I'll have to go backward first and I'll bring you a little bit forward. I grew up in the church a little bit. I was in the youth choir. Mm -hmm. I went to small groups in my church. We had Bible studies. So I knew about the word and all that kind of stuff. I actually... In my college years, I'm going to fast forward. This was high school. I was just describing. In my college years, I actually got closer to God. And this was right before I met my ex-wife. And I was actually leading a small group there. It's called the Wesley Foundation. The Wesley Foundation is connected to the United Methodist Church. And it's their college organization. Mm-hmm. And so I was leading Bible study there. Had to get into the Word because I had to prepare lessons and all that kind of stuff. So I started getting stronger and then you get married and start going through this stuff and you find yourself where I was just describing what I read because the marriage was on the rocks and it wasn't going well. Mm -hmm. So what happens to me is I lost my hope in love. I lost my hope in this idea of family that I wanted to have. I came out of a single family home where my dad left early in life. And that's a whole nother story where I've already reconciled that. But through that, I had an idea. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be this deadbeat dad. I didn't want to be away from my kid. I wanted my family. And so when this all broke, I started breaking. And the pieces just didn't get put back together well. So that's a window into that. So what started happening is I started drinking. I wasn't a drinker Mm -hmm. before this time. I don't even think I had a first drink in my life until after I was 21, maybe 22. And if I remember right, I think it was on my honeymoon. (laughs) First time I actually had a drink. And even when I was married, I wasn't drinking. But after that, divorce, okay, let's start a vice, right? Let's mask what I'm feeling, all these feelings, this hurt that I was feeling. Let's go ahead and layer on some alcohol. Let's also layer on some pornography because I'm feeling like I need something on my flesh to appease. Sometimes to feel validated. Sometimes you just feel like... I don't know. Maybe it's different. Maybe I'm speaking out (laughs) from a female perspective. Well, I don't know if pornography validates anything. On this side of it, Mm -hmm. that would be a lie. Mm. That would be a lie if I was believing that. If I was believing, hey, this is validating something. No, no, no. It Mm. doesn't. Because God is the only one that can tell me who my identity is. Let's be real. I find all my identity, all my source, everything that I really need is found in him. All of my needs. So, yeah, I'm reaching out for for Band-Aids that mask stuff, but I'm in a hole. I mean, I'm like trying to put a Band-Aid on something that needs surgery. I mean, I'm like a gaping wound. You don't do that. You're not getting healthy. It's not sustainable. It's only for the moment. I was always left empty. Mm-hmm. Those are actions. And then you talk about relationships with women, just not treating them well. I had someone say to me one time, 
if someone treated your daughter the way that you're treating me, how would you feel? And so I was like, yeah, kind of taken back. And I was like, yeah, this ain't right. Mm -hmm. So even though I was in this, there was still a glimmer of, I understand what's right and wrong. And this isn't right. I shouldn't be treating women the way that I was at the time. So these are the actions that was coming out of this hurt and pain. And again, this is over a period of 10 to 12 years. I was going deeper and deeper into this hole. How do you start getting out of that? That's kind of the question. How do you start getting out of a hole? I couldn't even tell you. I wasn't praying. Let me tell you what I wasn't doing. Okay. I wasn't going to church. I was not in a relationship with God that would produce his spirit in me, the life-giving force, that part that lights you up, that part that you know that it don't really matter what I'm going through. I'm going to be good anyway. That part, I didn't have. I didn't have that part where I could say something to someone to encourage them because there was nothing inside me that was worth saying out loud. I just didn't have. And so here's the way I describe it. I was the walking dead. I was a functioning dead person, meaning I could go to work and I could take care of my daughter, pick her up from daycare or pick her up from school when she got older, take her to her activities, do all that kind of stuff. I could have a conversation with someone. I could cook and clean and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when I went to sleep, and feeling like maybe it might be better from not here. Yes. Mm. I mean, I'm just didn't have anything on the inside. That's kind of where I was. And I didn't know how to get past that point. And maybe I did, but I just didn't choose to give over my life to God. I didn't choose to go back to him. I had one of my friends tell me and we had conversations and he would say something like this to me. He would say, you need to take your butt to church. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, when you were going, we used to have different conversations. Mm. I kind of need that in my life. So I couldn't be there for my friends either. And that started to wear on me too. It's like on the other side of this, I'm like, man, there's so many opportunities I missed to help someone else navigate something that they were going through hard because I wasn't in my position. I wasn't in the place that I needed to be, that God actually wanted me to be because we find ourselves in a family. Let me just kind of segue into what I'm talking about. We find ourselves in a family. We have a family. God gives us that family. We find ourselves in the midst of friends. God gives us our friends. Why? Well, it's our sphere of influence. It's God wants to get the good parts of him out through our life into the hands of our friends. And then he wants us to get those back too. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to give away. I had nothing to exchange. Again, I was a dead man walking at that time. Oh, Jesus, that was so good. The walking dead. I think so many of us walk around exactly the way in which you describe. When you've gone through something traumatic, something painful, that we try to use these fillers to fill whatever this void is that we have on the inside of us. Sometimes it's chasing the money, the status. There's all kinds of things that we do. And sometimes it takes a while for us to run to or back to the arms of God. And so when you describe kind of like, I'm just going to assume it was a 10 to 12 year period of you feeling like you were the walking dead. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's a long time to feel like you don't have anything inside you. And it's progressive. It's not like, okay, one day I'm definitely the walking dead. I say this because I can look back at it. Of course, in 2007, I didn't think I was the walking dead. I was 2008. When I got my divorce, oh, I'm free. I can live again. No, no, no. Because I still didn't have him fully inside me. So yeah, I can say it was progressive. And I got worse over time, not better, because I didn't run to him. I didn't even invite him into 
my circumstances to allow me to start getting healed in certain ways that once I did, his healing was quick for me, at least. It was quick. It was like there and I felt it. But yeah, just that walking dead period was really challenging for me during that time. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about who I should not be yes. and who I no longer want my daughter to see me as. Mm. I don't want my legacy to be that. The stories that get told about me after I'm gone and all that kind of stuff. Hey, this is just a part of my life. But now it's part of a story that has even a better deviation, I'll say, because it's not over. It's that now there's a clear demarking of I actually started believing this word, this God that's so close and gives me everything that I need on the inside and fills me with hope and fills me with love. And I started believing that. And I'm like, I had to make a change from where I was going. I had to make a change from that trajectory to a different one. And I'm still on that path. I'm not getting everything right. Don't let me sound like I got it all figured out because talk to my soon-to-be wife, I ain't got it all figured out. Talk to some of my friends, yeah, I don't got it all figured out. But we're on this path. We're in this direction. I know I'm not that dead man walking in. I know that the spirit inside me was again awakened. It's kind of like Ezekiel 37. God's talking to Ezekiel. He's like, hey, dude, Ezekiel, can these dry bones come alive? And Ezekiel's like, Lord, well, and God said, hey, prophesy to these dry bones. <laughs> and then Ezekiel's prophesies and dry bones start coming alive. But it's not just that. Then he says, hey, prophesy so that they can have some breath in them, so that they can live. And then become an exceeding great army. So I was reading this one day and it hit me. This exceeding great army. Of course, he's talking about an army that's going to go do battle in that circumstance. Great. But I'm thinking as a micro environment, our life is kind of like what he's talking about. Because there's dead parts in us that have to come alive, that have to become an army so that we can fight the fight against this enemy. Yes. That's what I was shown one time. I was like, I need to do a better job of allowing God to get these dead parts back living. And that's that restoration. I do that by getting closer to him. First of all, I feel like jumping through this screen and smacking you across the face. That was so good. That was so good. That was so good. I am interested in knowing what was your aha moment Or your wake-up call in that 10 to 12-year period when you got to the point where you said, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep living like this. I want to be better. I want to go back to who God called me to be and who God said that I was, right? When did that happen for you? Yes. So that happened sometime in late 2016, early 2017. Mm -hmm. And I think it was kind of more like a multi-step process, if I can call it that way. So it wasn't just this aha moment. It was this transitioning, like, I'm not happy with who I am. And if I continue doing the same thing, I'm just going to get the same results. That whole thing about insanity. I mean, it was just there. I was like, I got to do something different. At that time, I find myself weighing about 202 pounds. I'm only 5'6", so 202 pounds looks pretty bad on a 5'6 stature. And I don't like the way I look. Of course, I wasn't connected to God the way I should be. And so I started just getting tired of being tired. Just like you said, I got tired of being tired. And I'm like, 
hey, I still know who God is. Yes. He's still there. I need to go in. I need to put aside my own feelings and try this. Like, let me try this for real. Let me go hard. Because I can remember a time when I was close and I remember what it felt like, but I'm so far and I believe so many lies and my identity is just struck. And I'm like, but there's that little small piece of me saying, you can still have it. And some of this happened through relationship with my soon-to-be wife. And a lot of it happened through my daughter too. So let me describe what that looks like as far as my daughter. My ex-wife, we're fine nowadays, was going to go to medical school to pursue her career. And it just so happened it had to be out of country or she got accepted to a school out of country. And that just worked for her situation. So she says to me, hey, while I'm gone, could you continue to take our daughter to church? And I said, absolutely. And at this time, I've been thinking because my friend was telling me I need to get back in the church. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe when I take her, I'm going to sit in church. I'm going to go. So by virtue of this circumstance, my ex-wife going to school, me being the parent that's here, having to take my daughter to church, I wasn't going to just take her and drop her off. I sat there and started getting fed again. And so that's kind of how she helped me kind of get back on track. Because it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to stop doing this. I had to start getting fed. I wasn't picking up my Bible by myself. Mm -hmm. So going to church, that was like the first step back. And then you step into a ministry that's really on point. That's just like, oh, man, I've been missing this. And all these emotions start coming back. You start getting that feeling that that thing on the inside, your spirit starts to come alive again. Yes. And these dry bones start coming alive Mm -hmm. again. And that's when I said, okay, there's no more sex. Pornography has gone, drinking. And so it was over probably a period of two months or something that I just started emptying stuff out of my life. I went through my computer, wiped it. Every single picture that I had that wasn't doing me any good, anything that I could turn to, wiped it. Permanently deleted whatever, wiped all the websites. I mean, everything I could find, wiped them up. Now, yeah, I can go back, but I wasn't going back. This is a turning point. Not only that, I started to go to the gym and work out. So it wasn't just this spiritual thing. I was like, I need to get physically healthy too. Mm -hmm. And started going out, working out. Started working with a trainer that was at the gym I was going to and So a combination of these things. So the aha moment was really me saying, yeah, I know I need to cut these things out. I'm starting to get fed and I'm believing what the word of God says. And I like, I need to apply this to my life. Mm -hmm. How this hits to different people. I think different people go through this in different ways, but it was just that. So I mentioned the other person, my soon to be wife. This is what really kind of put me over the edge. Okay. There was a moment that we had where, and I'm not going to describe, this is for me. That moment's for me. <laughs> yes. But I'm going to tell you the result of the moment. The result of the moment was I find myself in my bedroom floor, bawling my eyes out again, crying like uncontrollable. This time it's tears of joy. Oh, amen. What happens is I feel God restoring my hope in love. Mm. I know I didn't give you the details of how that happened. I know, but the the result of that for me was restorative. There was so much restoration in that because what happened in that moment while I'm there crying, I remember that years ago I was downstairs crying too. And that's when that hope was leaving. And I find myself crying again, getting filled back up, God's spirit coming back into me and feeling restored. That was it. You know, that was like, yeah, I can't go back. A full circle moment for you. 
That's basically. beautiful. Okay. Basically, full circle. That's beautiful. So I'm going to start kind of like just wrapping us up a little bit and get into these questions that I normally ask all of my guests when they come on to the podcast. And this is based on, again, these life lessons. But from your story, what life lessons have you learned specifically about God's purpose for your life? Yeah, so I think one of the life lessons is I need to be intentional about relationships that I have Mm -hmm. so that that silent suffering gets stamped out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about on my part. I'm talking about even in the lives of the men that I have a relationship with, because I'm not the only person, only man. And I'm sure women do, too, suffer in silence. I know men do because I talk to my guys. I talk to my friends. And sometimes it's hard to get to that point where they're like really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But I recognize that sharing my story helps to open up the door of vulnerability for someone to share. So I like to share my story at the appropriate time with individuals, because it's a way to start that transparency and start some healing if someone needs some healing. I love that. The other thing I think for me is allowing the Holy Spirit to touch those vulnerable parts of me, those things that aren't all the way alive yet. Because again, we still have these dead parts in us, maybe. (laughs) We're still walking this path. And so to allow that to continue to happen, that process to continue to happen. So those are kind of the life lessons. And then I can no longer let my circumstances take me away from God. You know, my pain, my hurt, I can't do that anymore. It's so easy to fall back into those traps and maybe allow something that is temporary, but seems like it's forever to take me away from what really is forever, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is my relationship with him. That was like, there's this brokenness on the inside of all of us. And I know one of the things that I actually suffered from was hard heartedness. There wasn't a lot of things that could touch my heart. I could see things happen and not even feel like moved by them. And it wasn't until I feel like God really spoke to my spirit and, and I started to wake up spiritually that I used to see people in church crying and did not understand why they were crying. They would be singing and couldn't even make it through a song without weeping. And I used to say, why do they ruin the song so much with the crying (laughs) all the time? And I know when God started coming into my life, when I let him into my life, I'm telling you, people would start speaking the word and I would start crying. And for me, it was like a spiritual cleansing of this hardness that was washing off of me. And so like your story just really resonates with some of the experiences that I went through. That was that's amazing. My next question for you is what advice would you offer listeners on awakening to God's purpose that he has for their life? That's a good question, too. So when you deal with purpose and people awakening to their purpose, I got to be honest, and it's going to sound so cliche, but I got to be honest, I believe it. We got to get closer to God. It's challenging. And I'm using the word challenging very, very lightly. That's a very light way to put it, to awaken to your purpose without knowing the creator of you, without having that relationship, without diving into how he put you together. We have personalities, we have gifts, we have talents, we have abilities that he put on the inside. And we don't always get to know what those things are, or that doesn't get revealed to us unless we get closer to the one who made us. So in general, purpose, I think of it like this, love God, love people. I mean, that's first two commandments. I mean, it's said over and over throughout the Bible, love God, love people, love God, love people. 
Mm-hmm. How we go about doing that is using the gifts and talents and things that God put inside of us individually in our sphere of influence to do that, to demonstrate. So that's how I would say we awaken to our purpose. Okay, I want to flip back out my seat. That was so good. What's so funny to me is that I hear so many people, of course, when you jump on social media and they talk about I'm walking in purpose and I'm like, but do you know God? Because it's really not your purpose. It's God's purpose for your life. And so I think people just kind of like use these terms sometimes and say this purpose that they've created for themselves. But when we're talking about it, we're talking about God's purpose on our life. And you cannot walk in his purpose if you don't know who he is. Oh, amen in the name of Jesus. Okay, so what does it mean to become God's best version of you? I'll say it this way. Got to learn to value what God values. And I got to learn to be obedient and follow his leading. Again, it may sound cliche. If you're not getting close to God, like I just said, you're not following, you're not, that, you're not doing the things that he's saying to do. How can you expect to really become the best version of yourself. The best version of yourself is how he created you to be. Yes. Again, we don't get it right. We don't walk in it. We don't demonstrate it very well all the time, but I'm going to be honest and say what I believe. That's what I believe. Amen. Okay. So last kind of like two questions, but what do you know about God that you wish the whole world knew? I'll say it this way. I'll say that God didn't bring Jesus on this earth to die for Christians. He did it for the whole world. Yes, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, on this side of our salvation experience, we kind of think that, yeah, it's about Christians. No, God never intended to be about just Christians. He intended for it to be about the world. And his heart is that no single person perishes. So if I was to tell the world, God demonstrates his love for us in so many different ways. That's the most important thing. I mean, he loves each and every one of his creation and does want them to be without a relationship with him, without that intimacy. That was good. Amen and amen and amen. So if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? That's a great question. And this is one of the things that people who know me would say, oh, yeah, well, I don't have a social media footprint. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook or actually have a Facebook account. I don't check. Mm-hmm. To find me, it's like you have to have my number or my email address. I don't know what else to say about that one. I don't have a social media. I don't have Twitter okay. or Facebook. And all that That's stuff. okay. But you have a church that you are affiliated with and you have a ministry yep. in yep. that church. Can you Absolutely. tell us the name of the church and the yep. location? So if people did have an urging or prompting to reach out to you, they can contact the church and the church can contact you. (laughs) So yeah, actually there's a good thing. So our church, it's Victory Church. It's the main campus location is in Norcross, Georgia. And I am one of the small group leaders. My small group ministry is for men. And if you go on the website and you toggle through and look for small groups, there is a list of small groups. My small group is there. You can click on there. You can register for the small group or send a message comes to me. That's kind of how you can find me. Again, that's Victory Church. That's in Norcross, Georgia. And again, through that small group website, there's some type of picture of me. I think it's something I put on there. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll see my face. You'll see okay. Robert Rugely. Yep. They will see your face when I post something out there on my social media. 
And I'll be sure to include all of this information in the show notes. But I just want to say thank you again, Robert, for spending your time with me today and really sharing such an amazing story of restoration and transformation in Christ Jesus. And I just appreciate you. I appreciate, again, everything that you share. And I know for a fact that what you share will bless other people. Why? Because you are speaking the word of God and God has an audience for you that goes beyond your small group in Georgia because God has called us to make disciples of nations and not just the groups that we are in. So I pray that this message go out to the nations, that other people are blessed and transformed by everything that you share today. And again, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, you are welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Beyond my book, if you're interested in learning more about how to become God's best version of yourself, By awakening to your purpose, consider enrolling in my online course, which you'll find on my website again, which is www.drvernell.com because God's love for you and the reason why he created you is greater than you will ever know. And guess what? He wants you to succeed in carrying out your purpose.